All right, if you have a Bible, Galatians chapter 2, we are studying this letter together, and I really am really enjoying it, okay? I just, I love just being uh, in, in, a, in a letter that just tells you over and over uh, about the gospel, and I feel like Jesus is in my own life just pulling out a scalpel and just, just taking some, just, he's amazing. Okay, so uh, one of the things that we've been repeating throughout our time together is that uh, to be a Christian, so if you're a Christian in here, it doesn't matter how old you are, uh, if you're a Christian in here, <clears throat> uh, to be a Christian uh, is to be in ministry with Jesus. And so we really believe, and I've been saying this every week, but we really believe that uh, when, when you trusted in Jesus, that you really began to have a relationship with a person. And so here's what you're thinking right now. You're not thinking, I'm just in a theater and I'll just see if this message is, you know, uh, stick, whatever you think when you listen to me preach. Um, you're thinking, I really want to meet with a person. I want to I hear from Jesus um, because my whole life is about a living life with him, uh, becoming like him and doing what he did. That's what you're thinking. That's what a Christian is they now are living a whole new life with a person. So that's what we've been doing. So, so uh, before each sermon, before we get into Galatians, I've been saying, let's not just learn this book, let's meet with Jesus. And then uh, let's ask Jesus to really help us uh, be used by him throughout the week. So uh, Sean is gonna share a story at the end of the gathering. He, he just prayed, okay, one day, Jesus, like, would you use me today? And man, God opened a really cool door and he got to share the gospel with the guy. I'll let him share it. But I'm sure there's more stories, but we're gonna do that again. So we're gonna pray this prayer on the screen and, uh, and, then, and then I'll pray and then we'll get into our actual uh, passage together. So now, but if you're a guest or you're visiting, really glad you're here. Um, I would encourage you, especially if you're not a believer or maybe you kind of are new to the Christianity, maybe instead of praying this prayer, I would encourage you to uh, ask Jesus if you're really real, uh, would you show yourself to me? Just... Pray that if you're not a believer. I mean, if he really is God, that would be cool uh, for you to really experience him. So you pray, I'll pray, and then we'll, we'll do this. Uh, Father, <clears throat> I just want to pray that, that you would help us this morning not feel distracted. Lord, I pray that <clears throat> we would want what you want and we would love what you love. And, and I just pray as we uh, talk about fear, that Holy Spirit, that you would um, do something in us that like, you've never done before. Like, I, just, I really pray that, that your word today would, would be so sharp and you would reveal 
and that you would heal and that we'd really experience a a power like we've never felt before. And so we just ask for it. I do pray that you would help me teach. I pray you'd use the spiritual gifts you've given me to build up the body. And Lord, for those, for some of us who just feel really busy, we look at these kinds of prayers and we go like, I don't think like that. But we, but we just stay in that. I pray that you would help them hear you, that you really love them and that you want to work on their busyness. Help us to be less busy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> on that note, um, I was, I've, I've been into Dallas Willard recently, just reading some Dallas Willard, great author. Uh, he was asked, in one word, how would you describe Jesus? And you know what he said? He said, relaxed. I was like, if you had one word to describe Jesus, you know, I, I was convicted by like, is that how they describe Pastor James? Can you describe Pastor James? Oh, he's relaxed. I don't know. I don't think so. Um, that has nothing to do with my sermon. So here's where we are. We're in Galatians chapter two. Let me give you kind of the overall flow of how we're picking things up. Basically, you have Paul the Apostle, uh, who just became a Christian. We read about this in Acts, Acts 9. It's an incredible moment. He was a Jew. He was persecuting the church. Jesus appears to him, saves him in a powerful way, reveals himself to him, and, and it's, it's life-changing. And so he goes away, and he actually shared this journey in Galatians, where he really received from Jesus the gospel that he began to preach to the Gentiles. And so one of the places he preached was in the churches of Galatia. There's a real place. Um, And so now this letter called Galatians is him writing a letter because here's what's happened. Religious people who were coming from Judaism, which existed for, you know, the where, where God began to choose his people and roll out the laws and traditions to show him his love and grace. What happened was when Jesus came, he came to fulfill all of what the law pointed to, what the sacrifices, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. A sacrifice is pointed to. So Jesus became the sacrifice. He became the way we have the presence of God in us. He became the way we have forgiveness with God. He actually fulfills these traditional laws of Moses. And so it's this new life with the spirit. And and Jesus is teaching Paul who knows his Bible about the gospel. And so then Paul comes to this church and he preaches this gospel. And it's so powerful that they, tons of people are getting saved. But then these, these people from like the law come back to this church and say, oh yeah, Jesus is wonderful, but you make sure you're circumcised, make sure you're doing these traditions, make sure you're offering, you know, You have to keep close to the law to make sure you're a child of God. And Paul's like, no, that's not the gospel. But here's the problem. In his letter, he has to defend himself because they've all been like, Paul's not truly an apostle. He's not one of the 12. And so he's having to come in there and go, guys, I really got this gospel from Jesus. This gospel stands alone. I didn't get it from the disciples. It really is over everyone. This is the true gospel. We don't add to this gospel. It stands over everyone. Um, And so today, this is the flow of his argument. Today, he's gonna be like, this gospel has so much power and authority over all that it is even over Peter. So Peter is Jesus' like best friend, walks on water, all that stuff. This This is Peter. So he, in the eyes of the church, is like the pillar 
And Paul's like, even the gospel is over this guy. Even this guy is out of step with this gospel. And so that's his point right now we're picking it up. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna read the passage so you know what I'm talking about. And then we're gonna come into the fabric of it and I wanna teach from it, okay? So that's overall, that'll happen every week. You need to hear where we are when you're studying, study, studying a letter. Uh, so that's where we are. So here's the passage. So he's in mid proving himself, this gospel stands over everyone. And he says this, but when Peter came to Antioch, third largest Roman city, tons of Gentiles. So when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. He wasn't, he wasn't doing what's right. Verse 12, four, before certain men came from James. We'll talk about what that means in a second. He was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, the men from James, when they came, he drew back and he separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct, and here's his, Here's his line. He said this already in verse chapter one. When I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. I said to Peter before them all, if you though a Jew live like a Gentile, not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live and obey and all do the tradition like the Jews? Okay, this is a powerful moment. Just, you know, Paul's not trying to like, be like, check out how powerful I was. I got to rebuke Peter. That's not his goal here. His goal is to show you how the truth of this gospel stands over everyone. But, but this is a powerful moment. It's a powerful moment. So here's what I wanna do to set up where I know we're going in this message. I wanna remind you of what the gospel is. Okay, so here it is. The gospel is a, is a, and there's different ways to explain the gospel. This is one. The gospel is a proclamation. It's news, right? Good news. It's an announcement. And the announcement is that there's a kingdom and the king of that kingdom is here. And he has touched based on earth. That really happened. He has broken the power of the evil one and he's coming back bodily soon to consummate this great kingdom. And meanwhile, between these two comings, the first and the one yet to come, there's a period in which amnesty or pardon or release or salvation is being offered to all those who have rebelled against the kingdom. And, and here's the thing, it's important for us to know this is real. This amnesty really, really works and we need to know how it works. It works because someone has paid the price for us and his name is Jesus. Salvation is everything that Jesus has accomplished so that if you have Jesus, you have forgiveness, you have amnesty, you have this new life with God and you're gonna reign with him in his kingdom forever. That's the proclamation of the gospel. So we should really be excited. Woo, let's clap. You guys are, you know, yes. That's good news. So one of the biggest enemies that robs us of the new life we have and received is what we're gonna look at today. And that is this fear. The fear of the men that came from James, the fear of man. 
So we're going to look at how is fear keeping Peter out of track with the gospel, and then we're going to look at how fear keeps us from the gospel. Okay, so that's where we're going. We're going to look at Peter and then us. So here's the scenario. Let's just go a little bit, rewind. Here's the scenario. Okay, so Peter, you guys got to remember, this is Peter. So this is like, uh, you know, Jesus rose from death. Peter preaches. Oh, they're getting saved. Uh, man, God's doing amazing things. One day, Peter is just, just having a nap, and he gets a vision. And you can read about it in Acts 10 of these animals coming down. And he hears this voice saying, uh, and these are animals that in the Jewish tradition, they were like pigs and selfish stuff they weren't allowed to eat in their law. And, and he hears a voice say, kill and eat. And Peter's like, I'm not playing this trick. No, I'm not. We're not eating this because this is not... And then, and then the voice says, this is awesome in Acts 10, 15, what God has, listen, what God has made clean, do not call common. And then here's what's crazy. In the providence of God, he's leading this Gentile named Cornelius. He wakes up, meets him, preaches the gospel. Cornelius, who's a Gentile, gets saved, which means the whole, the whole gospel, the way to have new life with God is for all people. And so, so Peter's like this like Gentile, like evangelists and like the spirits on them. And so this, this, is, this is who we're talking about. So he's up in Antioch and he's just living it up, okay? Like he is making disciples. He's using his spiritual gifts. Just, you know, in the, in the ancient Near East, a meal like today uh, just meant like fellowship and friendship. And so he's, he's doing what Jesus commissioned him to do and he's making disciples and he's sharing his life. He's probably just really enjoying himself, you know, just like, Hey, could you guys pass the bacon and the, and the shellfish? Because this is really good. Uh, like he's just, it's all, it's all clean for him. So he's really enjoying his freedom in Christ. Eden pulled, but you guys are probably like, I'm having that later. Uh, me too. Maybe not. Anyways, um, so he's doing all this and then, and then something snaps. All of a sudden, something's triggered in him and he pulls away from this like discipling life and communion with, with these Gentiles. He actually stops becoming their friends and he leaves and he is disassociated. He's like, I'm not like, all of a sudden, Peter just removes himself from, from, from this community of believers. What, what, what triggers that? What's happening there? Well, Paul tells us when guys from James came. So we'll talk about that, but I, you just got to watch this. Like, I mean, you can see this in our text, especially in verse 13, Paul is shocked. Like he, here's why he's Barnabas. Okay. So if you read Acts 14, Barnabas and Paul, they're in Antioch and they're preaching the gospel and they're doing signs and wonders. And it's this cool moment. And Barnabas, his name's like comforter. Okay. He's like this, like this big guy. He likes to pick people up. Right, just like, like picture Tim Hardy. He's just like this big, like, I'm just gonna hug you. Ah, Barnabas, that's his name was Comforter. And he just, he loved the Gentiles. He loved them. And, 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 and the way Peter's acting, even Barnabas is going, all right, Peter, let's go. That is huge, by the way. Um, so a little application here. It might be good once in a while to look at who around you is a hypocrite and then ask, did I influence that? You need to ask, did I influence that? I mean, seriously, Peter was a leader. Sometimes leaders actually stay stuck because others have affirmed them, made them feel important. I'm sure Peter's like, well, Barnabas is with me. Like, are we good Barnabas? Yeah, let's, let's get out of here. Like, 
like praise God for the Pauls, praise God for Paul going, hey, this is not okay. By the way, this is why Paul calls him out in public. This is God's grace. Because when a leader does something like that, you see what happens. There's just this collateral hypocritical move and Paul's got to go, that's not in step with the gospel. And again, his point is like, this is the gospel. Guys, the letter I'm writing to you stands above Peter. So let's talk a little bit about what's going on here. So I, you know, Peter clearly spirals out in fear. That's what the text says. And because these men from James. So let's do our best to tell you about these men from James. Well, we know James is in Jerusalem. Just, you know, James is Jesus's bro, like his literal bro. Um, and, and he gives his life to Jesus after the resurrection. He becomes like the Jewish leader in Jerusalem. But imagine these guys grew up in these traditions in like this kind of like, we're better than the Gentiles. And, and this is how you get honor and acceptance and approval. It's just being a good Jewish boy. And so this was his upbringing. Um, and so he, so these guys are coming and they're of this circumcision party, which means they're starting to believe we need to add stuff to Jesus. Um, and so they're living in this culture. We don't know what's going on here, but we know something jolted Peter's trust or basis, his heart's focus with Jesus and enjoyment in the spirit towards feeling controlled by something he felt he needed or, or could gain from, or was afraid to kind of feel again from, from these men from James. They had a kind of power in his life. Perhaps, and this is just a guess, uh, perhaps it was as simple as a, a thought of receiving criticism. Like if you look, if you, I mean, it's not unreasonable. If you look at Peter's life, Peter kept tripping up all the time, right? And he was criticized. Like even Jesus, like get behind me, Satan. He's like, oh, you're getting used by Satan. Like, like Peter denied Jesus. There's some, that's, you know, Jesus forgave him, but maybe it's just this fear of like criticism. Like, ah, I, I don't want to be criticized. I don't. How many of you, you're, you're terrified to look stupid, right? You're, you're got some hands up. You guys are involved, man. Okay, good. Where's Jillian? Is she here? She's got to keep saying, come on. No. All right. She told me she would. Anyways, um, Perhaps, okay, here's another one. Perhaps somewhere and being elevated by his Jewish family. I mean, this is Peter who preached the gospel. He's a mega church pastor. You know, he's, he's got all this, like, you're Peter. Maybe he felt he needed to maintain this celebrity self-worth, you know? And, and so he just, yeah, he pulled away from the Gentiles. There was just something. There was something when he came that made him feel by being associated or close to them he, he could lose. And what's more than likely happening is, is there's, there's, he's allowing cultural differences to become more important than the gospel. Like think about this with me. Um, like from youth, he was told the Gentiles are scum. They're, they're, they're all sinners. Don't go near them. And, and you, we're, the, we're the good cloth. We're devoted. We're the one that God loves. I mean, that's messy. That's got to play a role in how you think. Right? Let me ask you this. Do, do you see that in you at all? Like, like when you see those of another culture, other believers, do you tend to kind of, you would never say aloud, but you tend to withdraw. You know, you don't really associate with them. Uh, you you kind of just feel like, 
whether it's, you know, like, how come they get this opportunity? Like, don't, don't, doesn't everyone know that I'm much like more holier and smarter? And so you just associate with other believers and, 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 and maybe there's some like, you know, let me ask you this. Like when you look at all your neighbors, who do you, who do you often have over for dinner? Like does, does, does race have anything to do with who you associate with? Is there anyone that you really think you're better than or look down on that is not keeping in step with the gospel? You know, do, do you not associate with people based on like this fear of status? And, and again, if Paul wouldn't have done this, we, wouldn't have been, we would be a mess. We need people to say this is not in line with the gospel. And here's what he's saying. He's not saying you guys are wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. He's saying, listen, you're forgetting that the gospel is that we are, we are all unclean apart from Jesus and Jesus made us all clean. You're forgetting the gospel and, and you're forgetting how, how, how God's grace has showered on you. Like you're not keeping in step with it, Peter. We know it's not of the law. It's happening. So, so if that's how fear, you know, is keeping Peter out of step with the gospel, let me ask you this question. How, how is fear keeping you from the gospel? Like what, what's this look like in your life? You know, um, like what would be your Antioch in a sense? Like who are the, who are the men from James that when they come in, you just, there's fear, like fear of not feeling recognized or fear of not, not being praised or fear of like, like looking dumb or fear of like, if someone actually saw who you were, they would not like you. You just have this fear. Um, and again, it wouldn't be a stretch as you looked at Peter's life that, that maybe there's a fear. And I think this is in some of us that there was a fear he doesn't wanna fail. Like there's a fear of failure, right? I mean, you just scan the gospels again. So I mean, is that you? And as I was praying about this and how to apply it, I, I, I was led to believe that, that God wants me to talk about a kind of fear that you don't want to talk about. And so what I wanna do is I wanna pray and I wanna invite the Holy Spirit to take complete control um, and work for healing. And if there's a spirit of fear, I wanna invite Jesus' presence now into those places um, to address um, the fear of being hurt. So here's what I'm gonna do. This is, I'm actually gonna ask the Holy Spirit to show you what your greatest fear is. And when he shows you what your greatest fear is and, and it, it, might, it might feel hard, but that's why I'm inviting Jesus into that presence because if there is a spirit of fear, uh, Jesus will control that for you while, you, while we go through this. And, and I really believe he wants to heal uh, that fear. And the fear is that you don't want to be hurt again. Okay, so I'm going to pray. <clears throat> okay, so Holy Spirit, I just want to invite you now to just 
take complete control in this room. And Holy Spirit, I wanna ask that you would show every one of us um, our deepest and greatest fear. And, and Jesus, I just ask that your presence would come into that now. And I ask that as we talk about this, that you would really bring your healing love and that people would be set free <clears throat> from fear today. So I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. There was something there that Peter, I believe, did not want to feel again. That's, that's, the, that's where fear starts. We, and, and we don't know what it was for him. We don't know what those men would have done, what, what they triggered, but perhaps these men could stir up something that Peter did not want to feel again. And I think for many of us present today, your deepest fears, here's what I believe, <clears throat> I think your deepest fears come from a wound or a failure or the moment your father degraded you to the floor. In that moment, a fear came into your life. And whatever happened, you don't wanna feel that again. It could have been an abusive moment. It could have been a, uh, a moment of abandonment, but you never wanna feel that again. And so, and so the fear is there's a fear of being hurt. You're afraid of being hurt. And it makes sense. We live in a broken world. Like we live, you know, Romans 8, we live uh, in a fallen world. There's a kingdom of God reigning in another domain. Um, so we get hurt. And so here's the thing. We believe the lie. And this is a lie. We believe the lie because of the pain that we cannot face it again. And so what we do, here's what we do. And, and listen, I know you men, you're thinking about your wife right now. And Jesus wants to talk to you men. So let me say this. So here's what all of us do, but men in particular, what you do, um, because you don't want to face it again, is we, we, have, to, we have to cover it. We have to, we have to pretend. And what we do is we have these masks like that we hide behind. And these masks aren't bad masks. They're like a good husband mask, a good you know, uh, dad mask, you know, the confident guy at work mask. Um, but we have these masks because deep down we, we have to have them because we have, these, we have this fear. And um, here's the truth. Here's what's happening. I'll tell you what's happening in your life <coughs> is you're, you're, you're trapped. Uh, you're in a snare. Okay, here's how I know that. The Bible tells me so. Proverbs 29, <coughs> 25, and here's the verse that the Lord really wanted me to teach on. It says this, the fear of man lays a snare. You guys know what a snare is? We know what a snare is. It's like a trap. It's like, you know, picture like a little a bunny caught in like a, a trap and you're stuck. So here's the thing, you have, to, you have to try to follow me here. If you believe someone has what you need to feel value, that can be your spouse in a moment, that can be your father, that can be the men from James, it can be whatever it is, but you, but you believe someone has what you need to feel value, here's what'll happen. You will feel controlled by them. You'll be in a snare. Even if you don't wanna be, it won't matter. Because if they have this godlike place in your heart, it means they've become the gatekeepers to what you want most. So they're holding the keys. And, and, and when something, and we'll teach on this in a second, but when something other than Jesus' love is controlling you, you'll inevitably remove yourself from any sense of the presence of God and the will of God. 
So, and let me tell you the issue. So it's one thing to be aware of the, the person of the snare, but let me tell you what's happening, what this snare is, okay? So here's the issue. You have made the basis of your life your, your kingdom. What I mean by that is your kingdom is at stake and the snare is, the, is that false belief and it, the false belief is that we've made this world about us and our desires. So if our kingdom, let me explain this to you. If our kingdom is the admiration of others and we need to be seen, um, we're living, or like if, you're, if your kingdom is just not feeling hurt and that's your kingdom, the way, you have, the way you've built your life is to not feel this fear, you're in a different kingdom and the whole time you've lost sight of the gospel. You're not thinking of the gospel. Your trust is no longer in the Lord. You're not safe. You're in a different kingdom because in your kingdom, it, it's the kingdom of admiration and, and you're, you're there. So what Peter's missing in this moment is the truth. He doesn't need to do anything to secure God's love or acceptance. There's nothing that these men from James could ever give him that God already hasn't bestowed on him. There's nothing that these men from James could could make him lose that Christ hasn't already paid. But in the moment, he's stuck in this kingdom of the fear of man, but God has set him free to a new kingdom of life and peace and, and friendship with God. And it's amazing. Okay, now here's the thing right now it's happening um, is your fear is getting louder. Uh, because here's the thing, if you're not resting daily in the kingdom, what you'll hear in your own mind is this lie that, that um, you can't tell anyone about your fear. And, be, you, and you can't tell anyone because they, don't li- they won't like it, they won't know what to do with it, and, and you, what if it happens again? So you hear things like you're dumb. How many of you have heard in your fear that you're dumb? Just show by the nod of, nodding your head. If you've ever heard a voice in your mind say you're dumb. Yeah, okay or you're ugly, or maybe on the other side of of pride, um, you've heard, you can't lose this praise. Like, look how great you are, you're so successful. Like to lose that sense, I think this was happening in Peter too, to lose that sense of apostleship and it's just terrifying. You've been praised for so long. What if you fail? What if your dad actually tells you, 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 you messed up again? By the way, um, parents, if you're a parent in here, one of the worst things you can say to your children um, is you're better than this. It's the worst thing you can say. Never tell your kids you're better than this. Number one, they're not. They're sinful human beings with a sin nature. Number two, you're putting them on a kingdom that is not the gospel. They're losing sight of the gospel the moment you say you're better than this. What you need to do is you need to bring them into the gospel of the kingdom and you need to say um, something like you're, re- you're forgetting or you're not remembering how, how the grace of God came to you when you were like this. You're acting in a way where you're forgetting the grace of Jesus and how much he loves you. You need to focus your, their eyes not on how they should be better because you, you'll instill fear. 
but you need to keep their eyes on, on the love of Christ and reminding them, because this is what Paul does in this text. He's saying, you're not keeping in line, your conduct is not in line with the truth of the gospel. Um, so here's what all these lies are trying to do. What's, they're trying to do one thing. It, they're trying to, what? Trap you. So if that's you, Jesus wants you to know from his word that the way out of this snare is to trust him. That's what the text says. To trust him. What that means is, is you want to come out from behind those masks. And just as God used Paul to pull Peter out and into the grace, remember, remember how loved you are. Remember uh, where your basis of friendship with God, like remember who you are. I think God wants to use this sermon uh, to propel you to bring that fear to light. I think, I think there are some of you who've never told God, you've never actually had a conversation with God where you told him, this is my biggest fear and this is where it began. You've never told Jesus and you've never asked Jesus to heal it. Okay? Um, and if there's a spirit of fear, you've never actually asked Jesus to tell it to leave. Okay, so sure. Let me, let me say this. When God shines... Uh, his light and brings up this pain and fear comes out, uh, he really wants you to know that, that um, he's not trying to rip this Band-Aid from you. We got a word about that. Like it's not trying to, he's not trying to just tear this out from you. He's really gentle. He knows uh, what happened there. So, so if this is ministering to you right now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask Jesus, um, for the, maybe for the first time to heal you. And this will be the scariest thing I'm about to say next. So I want you to ask Jesus to heal you from this fear. And then I want you to ask him to give you someone whom you can share this with. Okay, and the reason that's so important is the darkness right now hates, hates the light. Uh, the fear is there and it does not want to come into the light. And the way it comes in the light is exactly how it came in for Peter. Paul had to publicly declare it. And Peter was completely set free from it. He wrote for a second Peter. So, so it has to come out. So the key, here's the key. The reason why I'm saying you need to share this with the Holy Spirit's power is because here's the truth. Do not miss this. In that pain experience, in, in that time that your dad berated you to the floor, what did not happen in that moment was good news. No one came to you and said, that is a lie. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The missing reality in that fear when it started was the gospel. No one talked to you and said, Jesus really loves you. The failure actually went to his hands and his feet. You're clothed in forgiveness. All you heard in that moment when fear came into your life was bad news. And no one has had the opportunity for you to bring that fear up to Jesus and you share it with someone and they bring good news to it. You're actually, that's, that's not you. You're really loved. All you heard when that abuse or pain was happened was bad, not anything of Jesus. And here's the thing about fear. Fear can in one bad moment last a long time. And what can happen is if you're not resting in the ultimate one who's adopted you by his grace and he's given you his new life, 
all you'll do is you'll begin to feel afraid and you'll hide. And some of you are actually super scared right now because here's the thing, you, you feel so stuck. There's only a few of you, but you feel really stuck because you, um, you see God like that dad, which means the men from James is actually how you think God thinks of you. You're afraid that if you bring your fear to Jesus, he will, he will criticize you. And that's a lie. That's a lie. And that, ha- listen, you have, that has to come out today. You need healing from that. Um, that's a lie. Just, you know, I fight all the time. I hear this voice that says to me, hey, James, your, your struggle life, your temptation with sin, um, you now need to work that off. Like you actually have to somehow like work that off almost like penance or like you have, to, you have to prove yourself a little bit longer and then God will use you on Sunday. Like I love you, but I'm not gonna use you. My power is lifted. That's a lie. Uh, the reason the church is not growing is because of, of your, your sinful thoughts. And you're, that's a lie. But listen, no one would come up to me right now and say, hey, the reason our church isn't growing is because you're, something's wrong with you. No one would say that to me. Do you know why? Because that's irrational. But that's my fear. Your fears are just as irrational. But that's how the enemy works. And that needs to come out today. It's, this is why, by the way, it's so essential that you commune with Jesus in your Bible. It's not because you have to. We have to get over this like, oh, like, oh, I gotta, you know, this duty. Just get over that. The reason we need to be in our Bible when it comes to worship, when it comes to life with Jesus, when it comes to living in the kingdom of God, it's totally loved and accepted in a new creation in Christ Jesus um, and, and, having, and hearing from God and having all of our soul's wants in Jesus, we, ha- we have to make sure that, that our idea about God matches up with the truth of God revealed in the gospel. That's what Paul's saying to, saying to Peter. You're, you're not keeping in step with the truths of the gospel. If you knew the gospel and you were living and applying it out, you'd be totally free. You'd be like, look at these, look at these Gentiles whom Christ died for, not leaving them. You guys, God is not manipulative with his love. Some of you, you had moms, and maybe you are this mom, you gotta repent today. Um, you've had moms that have been really manipulative with, your, with love. Who like, man, just showered love on you and you were just you know, keeping up with her own expectations and the way she feels like she's a valued human being. If, she, you know, if your weight is right and all these things are right, you feel loved by her. That's not how God loves. He really, really loves you. The basis of his relationship with you is based on love, his love to love you. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna show you where this is in the Bible. So 1 John 4, 16 says this. And this is the key. It says this. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. So this is what the Bible says. So we've come to know and to believe, that means to trust in, to believe what? So what we've come to know and to believe 
the love that God, he has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. So I'm gonna show you a few translations so that we really get the understanding because this is the only way out of fear of man. The NRIV says, we know that God loves us. We depend on it. We depend on it. So you you come into the kingdom of God and the truth that you're adopted, loved, you're not an orphan and you come to depend on his love. The next translation, and we have come to know the love that God has in us. We've come to know and to believe the love that God has in us. The NLT says it so well. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. That's what, that's what Proverbs says. But those who put their trust in me are safe. Fear has to do with punishment. If you, it, it, you're afraid to get hurt. You don't want to be hurt. So look at what Jesus writes through John in the next verse. By this love, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. The greatest thing you should fear is the day of judgment. And he's like, this is how we have confidence. Look, we're not even afraid of this because as he is Christ, so also are we in the world. He's super love. He's except we have this. There's no fear in love, but perfect love. What's our word? Yell it out. Cass, I'll help you. Let's try it again. Okay, let's try this again. Here we go. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. It casts it out. It casts out fear for fear has to do with the pain of being hurt. Punishment, whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. When Jesus has you and you're his and you've come to know and you believe the love and you're depending and you're trusting in it, you're safe because you're not trusting in that anymore. And I believe Jesus wants to heal that. Um, Let me say this. Did you know that God sees with utter clarity, like razor sharp clarity, more than you see? Um, who we are. Like just, just think of that. He is, he is undeceived as to our, our warts and our wickedness. But when God looks at us and you know the gospel, that's not at all what he sees. We know he sees Jesus, but here's what I think you need to remember. He also sees who we are intended to be, who we will be one day. He sees, who we'll, he sees who we're becoming. He sees us 2,000 years from now. This is the secret out of fear. You get to stop being controlled about your own kingdom and, and start being controlled by his love. Now, let me, sh- you, let's, I'm, you know, I'm saying a lot, but let me give you a verse to memorize. 2 Corinthians 5.13, Paul's just like, guys, we're crazy for Jesus. He's like, if we are beside ourselves, is, 
It is for God. If we are in our right mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ controls us. For the love of Christ controls us. I've been, again, reading Dallas Willard and one thing Willard, um, you know what he does? He won't get out of bed until he feels he's loved by God. Sometimes it'll take him 45 minutes. He won't get out of bed, his alarm clock. And he will just wait until he, he, he meditates over scripture and he knows he's loved by God that day. He won't get out of bed. For the love of Christ controls us. Right now, your fears are trying to come up and they're trying to say, you're the exception. And just, just say, Jesus, that's not true. I rebuke that. And here's what he says, because we have concluded this, that one, had, here's the gospel. So this is what Paul is saying to Peter. This is above you, brother. He says this, for the love of Christ controlled us because we've concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore all have died and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves. You don't need admiration and this and this and your, what your, all those lies, that fear that came in, you no longer live for your kingdom. That's all died. Uh, but for him who for their sake died and was raised, okay? Uh, one principle in this is you obey the one you fear. That's why the Bible so often commands us to fear the Lord. Uh, here's what we're gonna do. Will you stand and um, we're gonna respond and we're gonna do something in response that... Um, I've been really excited for, and I actually got to see the power of God move in the first as well. So um, Charles Spurgeon said this, the Holy Spirit, look at the bottom quote, the Holy Spirit can cast out the evil spirit of the fear of man. He can make the coward brave. So here's what we're gonna do. I want you to, um, I actually don't want you to, Sterling, will you get the lights? I don't want you to take, um, we're not gonna serve communion like corporately to each other. You're just gonna come up and take it alone. Um, but I don't want you to take it if you're not willing uh, to take that fear and your deepest fear. Um, if you're not willing to come to Jesus, because here's what we believe, communion is a symbolic, but it's also, uh, we believe that there's the presence of Jesus is within the elements. There's a mystery in why, same with baptism. And so we really believe Jesus is here uh, and he wants to commune with you, but I think he wants you to bring your fear to him. And before you take it, I want you to ask, I want you to tell him what it is. This is my biggest fear. This is when I believe it came in. And I want you to ask him to heal it in Jesus' name. And then I want you to take the bread and dip it in the wine or juice, which is the gospel that has canceled that old self, that old identity. And now you are in a new creation. You're in Christ and the power of God to uh, heal that fear is here. And he wants to heal that fear. And you don't need to worry because here's the thing about fear. You're worrying about, well, what if, you know what? No, 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 mm -mm. Just take it, believe that God wants to heal that fear and ask him to do it and then take the bread and dip it 
in the wine or juice based on your conscience and then thank him for it. Then praise God for, for his love and then begin to just continue to abide in his love. And listen, fears, like if you look at Peter's life, it's not gonna be like this, you know, one thing, but I believe there's, there are some spirits of fear that have come into you really, really early on at a young age and those things can be healed. So that's what we're gonna do. <clears throat> so I want you to just bring Jesus your fear. We're gonna sing a song that's like, we're no longer slaves to fear, um, but we are children of God. And I want you to sing that to Jesus because he's really here. Um, and then we'll pray, okay? And again, if you hear right now anything in your mind that's like, this is not, this is not gonna happen, this is not for you, uh, we'll come over for prayer and we'll, we'll speak to those voices, okay? All right, let me pray and then we'll sing and we'll respond take communion. And listen, there could be, there could be this other thing in you. That's like, you're not going to do this because you've actually began to create an identity around your fear. You've actually like woven that fear into your personality, into your Enneagram. And you just feel like this is just me now. That's a lie. That's not you. Just you tell Jesus, that's not me. That fear I know is from demons. I know is from my that hurtful word. That's not my Enneagram. That's a lie. God wants to set you free from lies. He wants to heal your fear. He wants to publicly expose them. So you have homework. Whatever the Lord is going to do, you still need to go tell someone. And you need to invite them in and say, will you tell me the gospel in that fear? Okay. So Father, I just, I pray in Jesus' name right now. So Jesus, I ask for your presence to come over these fears and I ask for your presence at the table of grace. And as we come and receive and we partake, I pray for your healing power to deliver us from the fear. And I pray we would experience that. In Jesus' name, amen.